Uh, hi everybody. I am Ashley. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, my home group is primary purpose group in Austin, Texas. Uh, my sobriety date is 221 of 2018. Uh, I am clean and sober and gratefully recovered. Um, I have a sponsor who has a sponsor who has a sponsor. I have sponsees who has sponsees who has sponsees. I think that's extremely important uh, in my own recovery. Um, a to know personally my lineage and that I am I am I am taking wisdom and following this program with people who do everything in the book. And sponsorship is is a huge part of that. Um, that is um, a huge part of my recovery. Also. Um, I will unapologetically start and say that this is my experience, um, strength and hope on how I have recovered. So that does include God. That is my higher power. I will refer to him as such. If that offends anyone, I'm not sorry. So without, um, with that being said, I will start off a little bit of what I was like, um, you know, before. And I do not remember my first drink. Uh, it's not because I was too young. It's not because I blacked out. Um, it's simply I was about 17 years old, and it just became what I drank from the first drink. Um, I was a good kid raised in a very strict Christian home, so I you know, obeyed mom and dad and didn't act out too wild. When I turned 17, moved out the house, I knew then all bets were off. Um, so I... Uh, Again, when I when I took that first drink, it became what I it became what I drank. Uh, it replaced water. It replaced anything else. I um, instantly became a twenty four seven drinker. Um, I knew the importance of holding a job, um, so I still had my work ethic. I, uh, I actually came in this program. Um, what you know, we consider a high bottom drunk. I didn't lose everything. Uh, I didn't lose everything. You know, during my demise, um, either as well. I uh, I stayed working. I was, Worked in the medical field um, and started drinking, you know, every day and just going to work. I could hide it, you know, very easily um, to support my habit and also to support the level of alcohol that I drank. I started and, you know, I got a few lucrative side jobs on, you know, at night. Working in bars that I quickly learned to surround myself with people that made my level of drinking okay, you know. Um, so yes, I knew it was bad that I was drinking in a medical field at 12 o'clock noon, you know, um, but when I partied at night, then it was okay for me to be drinking the amount and consuming the amount that I did. So I, I surrounded myself with those people, uh, to make myself feel better. Um, I, I knew I had a problem, um, but I, I kind of, I kind of owned it. Um, I got three DUIs before I was 21. I am from Louisiana. That's kind of okay. Uh, the first one was all right. The second one, a little, little cautious. Third, before I was 21, um, and within three months' time, um, was a little excessive for for even our standards down there. Um, I would like to say that that slowed me down a bit. It absolutely did not. Um, I got better um, at being more cautious on drinking and driving. I, by the grace of God and the mistake of a judge. Uh, I did not serve 10 years in jail. Um, again, three DUIs within three months. She, by the, by the time that she was about to convict me with my first one, my third one had already hit her docket, so she knew exactly what she was looking at. At this point in time, um, you know, drinking and driving, there were mothers against drinking and driving and just started cracking down a lot. 
Uh, and I tell this part of the story not not to brag or not because I'm calloused over it because I need to um, absolutely express I gave two fucks about drinking and driving. I didn't care any parent that has a child in the vehicle. The only thing I cared about was my level of consumption where I was at legally and I got in my vehicle and drove without caring about anyone else around me. Uh, that proved the case many, many times. Um, I would get in wrecks and I was too concerned with hiding my, um, you know, my empties or anything that was open rather than checking on the vehicle that, that I might have wrecked into or anything like that. Uh, I was so self-centered and it was all about me from the, my whole life. Uh, and my addiction, my addiction, um, and what I needed to, to have. Again, I, um, I, I got, I barely got out of, um, scot-free with my, with my three DUIs. The judge, actually her daughter, when she had told me too, that she was going, she told my attorney, she was going to make an example out of my case. I was getting 10 years at 19 years old. Um... <laughs> The day of my court, my court date, her daughter was in a severe accident and she got pulled, um, the judge, and, uh, and had someone else come in and scurry through the books and everything. And because all three of mine were sitting on her docket, then they sentenced me to first and a second DUI. And they didn't catch it until I went to my PO's office. So I did not get my third conviction. That means I didn't get a sentence. That meant I got away with almost nothing. Um, again. I did not take that as a blessing. I did not take that as a whole, this is my chance to straighten up. I just kept going. Uh, again, I got a little bit smarter, uh, you know, and I, I was heavy in, I was heavy in drugs um, a good bit. I will say singleness of purpose, but alcohol was not the only thing that I um, dove into. Uh, I got, I will say I, I continued to get better. I continued to manage two jobs. I continued to have things. I, I continued to learn how I, I could survive with this, um, with my drinking. I had to, I drank every single day. 17 years I lived over the legal limit. 17 years I did not draw a sober breath. That was my alcoholism. Um, I consumed about two fists of whiskey a day and an average of two cases of beer and that was just my personal um, that kept me over the legal limit that kept me from detox. And every time I would start to detox, I scared, I was scared that I was going to die. Alcohol had long stopped working for me, long stopped working. Uh, and I never was the type of person to want to kill myself. I knew the stopping was going to kill me and that was it. I knew that was what was going to take me out. And I feared that more than anything. More so than just physically, I feared what my life would look like. I feared that everything that I had going was I was going to lose. Looking back into sobriety in just this past year, I was like, shit, okay, I didn't have that much. Uh, it looked a little bit worse than I remembered coming in, but it still looked like I had a lot of things put together. I still had a career. I still had a company. I co-owned a life insurance company. You know, I was all about what I looked like on the outside. From the outside, I looked like I had it all together. I had the job, I had the car, I had the money, I had the house, I had, I had the things, I had the career. I was a 24-7 drinker and I was dead inside. There was absolutely nothing in me. I lived to drink and that was it. Uh, that, was, that was all that I had. That was my functioning. Um, it terrified me to get sober uh, and it was really hard for my sponsor to convince me, uh, you know, when it says, um, you know, convince me my life had become unmanageable. It was really hard. God bless her soul. Cause I'm like sponsor. Don't you see like my, I managed the crap out of my life. 
Like, don't you see all the things that I manage? I manage a company, I manage this, I manage da 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 da. I manage my life impeccably. No, my life had not become unmanageable. And what I didn't realize was I had all of these balls juggling. I had all, I had my career, I had all of these balls that I was juggling. And at the base of what I was standing on was the biggest ball of all, which was my addiction. And if I removed that, I knew everything else was going to come crashing down. And again, that terrified me. I was not ready and I was not willing to come into this program. Uh, I was not ready to get sober when I got sober. I didn't choose the day. I, you know, I never could because every time that I said that I was going to stop, it was always... Well, this is the last whatever, you know, I'm going to buy and then 1201, you know, turns and well, shit, it's already tomorrow. So I might as well just continue drinking tomorrow, right? Am I the only one that did that? Okay. All right. Well, no, I'm six in. So I just got to, you know, whatever. And then continue and continue and continue. And I did that for years. Um, So I wasn't ready to stop. I never had enough though. And I know I knew that I would never have enough to reach that, that, that drunk. I never had. I had lived it all so, so much. I knew what every drunk was going to lead, and I knew some of it was going to be good and some of it was going to be bad. Again, not everything came crashing down every time I drank. It's, it wasn't about that. It was about the fact that I never could stop. And I couldn't imagine another life. Um, that day came. I, was, um, I should have been in a bar room, which I was in every single evening. Um, but I was helping a friend. Ironically, because she didn't want to be in the house that had alcohol in it, so she invited me over, which I come with alcohol always. Uh, and but I'm but I'm sitting there, and my phone rang, and I never answer the phone when it is my mother, uh, which it was at that point, because I'm always in a bar room or drunk or this and that. Um, but it was my mom. Um, now I had kind of distanced myself from my mom. We had been close. Um, for years before, about a decade, a decade ago um, now, my, my dad had passed away. After my dad died, um, suddenly I moved home uh, or moved back to the state and was close to my mom, took care of my mom. She was in perfect health, but just there for her um, during that time. Uh, two and a half years prior to this point, uh, my mom had called and she got diagnosed with cancer. She had ovarian cancer. I did not know the degree of that, but like any good daughter and alcoholic and addict, she told me that, you know, this news, I'm in a different state. What do I do? Absolutely not rush to her, not get close to her. I do what's smarter for me and I distance uh, because I'm scared of losing another parent and I don't want to get closer and I don't know how to show up. I don't know how to show up for my mom, Um, but do what I need selfishly and that means to continue to numb. She called me, that was about two years prior to this phone call. She called me, she, had, uh, she was 62 years old. She had about a 1% chance of living. She had stage four ovarian cancer that moved to her abdomen, that moved to her lung. She was not expected to live. She called me and she was crying. I expect the worst. Um, she said her cancer had gone into remission. At that second, I audibly hear a voice, which I know is God. And he said, and I I heard, see, Ashley, I delivered her from her disease. I can deliver you from yours as well. And I will spare your life. I was like, shit. I just, I mean, guys, like any true alcoholic, I hear this and it is deafening in my, my soul what I just heard. 
what I knew. And I'm looking at an unopened 18 pack of beer and an unopened fifth of whiskey. And I'm like, just one more. And I knew everything in me. And I had been drinking all day. It wasn't like this was my first sip. But I knew then that I didn't get another chance, that this was my opportunity. This was my time. If I was to get sober, then I had to choose now. So I pushed that back. I told my friend, please discard that. She thought it was crazy. Um, but I knew then like that was it. That was my stop. That I was, I was done. Uh, I immediately knew I had known AA again with the three DUIs. It did not not come with, um, you know, court ordered um, AA. I'd been in and out of the rooms a lot. I, you know, it never took. I'd gotten kicked out of so many treatment centers. It's not even funny. Um, so I knew I knew it was going to take. I knew I needed a program, and I knew I needed to address something and pursue something with the same tenacity that I did my drinking. See, I never had enough. Again, I won't I won't go into a lot of other issues, but there was no there was no bag that that I that I moderated. There was no amount of alcohol that I saved for later. There was, there was never enough. I never consumed enough. Uh, it was all or nothing, and I always tested myself. I, I took on dares. Oh, I bet I can't, you can't drink this person under the table. Watch me. But, um, so I knew I had to approach this program the same way, with the same tenacity, the same all-in, the same fear, fierceness that I did my, my addiction. And that was every day, all day, hardcore. So I, I started looking for AA meetings. Um, I start looking for a Nazi, what I considered a Nazi sponsor, uh, because I knew I needed something more than hugs. I knew I needed something more than just, uh, you know, just some steps or just the rooms. I needed, I needed something with depth and weight, and I needed to chase after this. And so I did. I, um, I, I got, um, got a badass sponsor, started working the steps. Uh, and actually, it was about three months that I floated from, from the rooms trying to find that and barely holding on. And this is part of my story as well. Um, you know, and I, I, sponsorship is so important. Sponsorship is so important as, as far as, as far as my recovery that find someone who potentially scares you, find someone who challenges you, find someone who pushes you and find someone who is not fear, who is fearless on telling you what you need to hear, which is not always what you want to hear. That has been my success. Um, I, I could not be hugged enough um, to keep me sober. And again, this is my experience. There's no amount of women that could hug me and tell me it was going to be okay. That would have kept me sober. I needed someone to look me in the face, read me this book, and say, you're about to die if you don't do this shit and if you don't do it now. Uh, that's what I needed and that's what I found. Uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar, but I searched out for that person. That person came to me as Katie Parker, which kicked me in my ass and then has, has you know, that is that has been my fearless journey as far as being under people who aren't afraid to speak the truth to me. Um, again, I, I didn't come in this, I came in this willing, but I came in this kicking and screaming a little bit. So I admit that I was powerless over alcohol. I knew that I knew that, but I still wanted to maintain a little bit of power. Um, again, my, my life had become unmanageable, eh, but I managed it. And I was, I was really hard for me to let go of that notion that I really did not manage it. And how I managed it was only with the grasp of alcohol in it. I had, I had absolutely no control over anything else. Uh, I had to realize that. Came to believe that a power greater than myself. So, okay, so I knew there was a God and I heard God and blah, blah, blah. 
the, the sanity part was the one that, that I'm like, wait, I can be restored to sanity? Like, y'all, my brain, this brain thought of drugs and alcohol 24-7. Like, my, my thinking was insane. I, so this promise, like, I could be restored to sanity. That meant there is someday, somehow, there is hope. That, that is not, that is all that consumes my thinking. That it's, that it's more to life than just this. That, that is what sanity looked like for me, and that's what I wanted. Uh, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to God as I understood him. Okay, again, I don't know. I don't know much, but I do know that I can do that. Uh, so then I go to step four uh, with this sponsor and made a searching and fearless moral inventory of myself. What that looked like is, uh, is again, in my, the biggest thing, my, my sponsor pushed me because I wanted, to, I wanted to rebuttal, especially when we hit four, five, six, seven. I wanted to take my time. When I did my step four, I was two months sober. Um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of take my time with this because don't you understand, sponsor? And she said, don't you understand that you came to me with your ass on fire and you're going to die if you don't drink. So how free do you want to be? Every time that I wanted to wait, every time that I didn't want to do something so massive or say four-step inventory or really dive into it, you know, my, her response to me was, how free do you want to be? My response back was, fuck, well, I want to be free. Like, I want to be free of this. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I want to be free because I know I would not stay sober if I was miserable. If I was dry, I knew I would drink. If I was not happy and recovered, I would not stay sober. I needed to be recovered. I needed to be free for this to work and for me to, 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 to last. So I continued. Um, my step four, uh, you know, had some heavy hitters and I, you know, I, I know, I know now I'm not special. I'm not different, you know? Um, so that, that looked like a 25 year, estranged relationship with my sister. Um, we had been estranged since I was 12 years old. Uh, she resented me my whole life. She openly would say that this was not a figment of my imagination. I tried to convince my sponsor of this, like, this is serious though. This isn't just... This isn't fancied here, you know, it says, you know, this is, this is real. My sister had resented me um, for 25 years. Uh, when my dad died, you know, it's just me, my mom, and my sister on, on his deathbed. I looked at my sister and I said, hey, can we bury this hatchet, whatever it is? I've tried to ask, like, what is it that you hate me? She said, I don't know, but I've hated you my whole life. Why would I change things now? You have a valid point. My only sister, two and a half years older, I'm I, done. Uh, my mother, uh, love her. Um, but my mother had told me my whole life that I was not the child that God intended for her to have, uh, or that who, who I was, I was not the child that God intended me to be or for her to have. Uh, I'm gay. My mom's very religious, spiritual, you know, this and that. I wasn't the kid that she was supposed to have. And she openly told me that, um, so uh, these, these and a few other were real heavy hitters that I had to look at. Um, the beautiful thing is, as far as the fourth and fifth step, is I learned that I couldn't change anyone else. I couldn't change my mom. You know, as much as I tried to convince my sponsors, sponsor, don't you understand, my mom, my mom, this is what she does to me. My sister, this is how she feels about me. It wasn't about them, and I never could change them. It was about me. It was how I showed up. Was I supposed to, I could not change my mom and her old beliefs, but I could change the daughter that I was supposed to be and that God intended me to be because I knew that is truth. So I started changing 
the daughter who I wanted to be and started acting that way towards my mom because she would never change. I started doing the same thing to my sister, being the sister who I, who I was supposed to be treating her how I wanted to be treated and shit started changing, I will say that. I started reaching out to my mom. It was not, she didn't come to me. Um, and again, my mom didn't think anything was different because she loved me as best as she could, but I started melting away the resentments that I had against her and started showing up differently. I started caring, I started forgiving, and lo and behold, it wasn't that much longer through this program where I actually truly loved my mom and I held no resentment to her. It was through this and this program and doing this so hardcore, not arguing with my sponsor, not you know saying, oh, this hurts, this hard, don't you understand? I started mending the past and the mistakes. And you know, this wasn't anything that revolved around that alcohol fix, but this is what this program taught me and how to do and how to approach life. Um, I continue, humbly ask God, blah, 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 seven, eight, nine. Making these amends, I went to my sister. Um, you know, I, I didn't think I was gonna have an opportunity to make these amends. Uh, and sure enough, um, about four months in, Nothing about being from Louisiana that can call an impromptu family union from all different states is an LSU home game. That, in fact, happened. I am not a sports person. I'm not a damn sure not LSU, um, just out of, because I, I like to you know, go out against the flow. So, um, but LSU home game, everybody's coming in from, from around town, and my sponsor looks at me and is like, oh, so that sister that you cannot see and would not, never go to Kansas, she's going to be there, and you will drive to Louisiana and can do that amends, right? And I'm like, well, shit. So I do. Um, you know, I get in the car at that, that particular time, and all of a sudden I think I'm recovered, and I scream to my sponsor, oh, my gosh, nothing screams, you know, like road trip to Louisiana, like Adderall and alcohol. Uh, so I get on the phone and call my sponsor and she's like, great, you know, it says, it says in the book, sure, you know, we're alcoholic and addict and we like the effects. That's where your brain went. What are you going to do different about it? I call my sponsor, listen to Mark Houston tapes all the way, arrive, you know, to Louisiana, sober, happy and start making some amends. I did my amends to my sister and, uh, and she forgave me instantly and melted away. I said something like, Hey, I think this started when we were 12. Is that right? And sure enough, there was something that my parents did that they blamed her for her whole life. It was nothing that I did. She had resented, something had happened. She resented me. I addressed it because I had done this work. I went to my sponsor several times and I'm like, well, you know, it looks something like, you know, shit, Kristen, will you forgive me? And, and I worked and I worked and I worked on my amends until it was heartfelt. And when I went before her, it melted. She melted, she remembered. And 25 years of estranged melted and went away like that. My mom was all silent, you know, it was on my behavior and changing, um, changing that towards her. Um, so that happened in October. Uh, December, um, my, my last grandparent um, fell, ended up, he, um, he was 92, but he was in perfect health. He fell, started bleeding from the brain. Um, I show up and, um, and there through the death um, of him, uh, I stood on my one year anniversary and buried my last grandparent. Um, uh, one year sober anniversary, buried my last grandparent. Um, two months later, my last uncle, the closest thing I had to my father left, he died of a massive heart attack. Uh, two weeks later, my last aunt died of a massive heart attack right after him. And then three months later, um, my mother, whose cancer had been, uh, had actually gone back into remission, and I had been going back and forth and been there for chemotherapy and stuff like that, uh, had developed a wonderful relationship with my mom. We spoke every evening, every evening, 
She had called me about 9.30. We'd talk until 11 or 12. Uh, it was beautiful and wonderful. Uh, cancer was in remission again, thank God. Um, she went to the hospital for a headache, and they immediately admitted her. They found five brain tumors. Um, this was July of, um, of last year. Uh, they gave her roughly six months to live. I was in Louisiana more than I was in Texas, and I was there with my sister across from the bed from her after three and a half short months uh, holding her hand as she took her last breath. That was October of last year. Um, all of this, if you're not great at math like I am, and it's a little all over the place, but this was year two sobriety. It's not a lot of time. You know, and one of the things that I'm so grateful for, I would look at my sponsor and I would, I would say, hey, it's too early to do this, right? 25-year amends with this. My mom, 35 years of, of this shit, IRS, whatever. That's some, like, that's some like five-year sobriety shit. That's, you know, that's what you do up here. That's when you have double digits. That's when you do this. Or I know so-and-so who has this amount of time and they haven't done this yet and this is too hard to take on this now I have time my story is guys there's not necessarily time and I don't know when the next shoe is going to drop that's going to guarantee that I need my sobriety and my program to be iron fucking clad because that's the level of addiction and um, alcoholism that my life ruled on so I couldn't take it I wanted to be free so I did this early on and every single day I live this program and do all of the damn things because I want to be free you don't know when life is going to hit. If I would have waited, it would have been too long to make amends, not only to make amends to my mother after her brain tumors were found or that happened. Not only could she not understand and, 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 and physically that would have been too late, but I would have never have gained the relationship that I had. And I don't know that my sobriety from here on out would have lasted knowing that I missed the opportunity to have gained what I had with my mom prior to. We're not guaranteed time, not in life and not in sobriety. Don't waste it by saying that you have time or doing these steps a different day or half-ass. That's not been my experience. Um, and I am a little, a, little, a little harsh on this because this has been my experience. Um, I, I am so grateful um, that in that first year, I sponsored a shit ton of people. I did all of this every single day. Um, I cried to my sponsor when I got the news of my mom Oh, not to mention, I was so mad. And at this point, I was sponsoring a lot of women, you know, um, uh, everything. And so when, when, when mom happened, I'm desperately crying out to my sponsor. I'm like, what do I do? Like, I wanted something to write. I wanted step work. I wanted things to do. And the most beautiful thing that she did tell me in that time was, Ashley, you've already done the work. Thank God, I've already done the work. And so now I'm actually living the program of what I've built. I continue to stay in my nightly meditation, continue to check my actions and everything before God, stay in my, my mornings and days, um, leave behind everything to make sure nothing comes back up and then sponsor and to give back. Um, I will tell you, it is not hard. You know, I mean, it is not the, the death, like my mom, like knowing that she was dying. Absolutely. That was not something that like, oh, these resentments that I have you know, oddly just start creeping back up. It takes work, fear of finances, all of those things that would have kept me grounded here in Austin rather than taking off and being in Louisiana for my mom. If I had not worked this program prior to, 
I would not be here today, and I know that for a fact. Um, again, sponsorship was one of the biggest things, giving this back. Um, I would cry, and I would call my sponsor in so much pain during my mom uh, while she was dying. And, um, you know, she would, she would tell me, you know, shit like, Ashley, doesn't it give you comfort to know that God's in control? My answer was less than spiritual, guys. Just, it was not, it's not at all. Because it was, fuck no. No. It doesn't give me comfort. Because God is taking, my, my mom is dying. Guys, I don't get the choice. I don't get the choice to control my life. You know, on page 63, doesn't, don't, you know, I just, I wish that I could control everything and the actor and da, 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 all these things. Because if only the show would go off like this and I would be okay and I could stay sober and everything would be peachy. But am I, am I, you know, being asked to trust God when I don't know the outcome? And in my experience more so, am I being asked to trust God when I know the outcome and I don't like it? Yes. Yes, I am. Um, that was hard. That was really hard to swallow, and that was really hard to continue to live. Not abandoning my faith, not abandoning God when I knew the outcome was going to be more than I thought I could bear. Having a pain more than I thought I could bear in doing it sober. Never once did sobriety, never once was my sobriety shaken during that time, and I am so grateful for that. Never once did I ask for a drink. Guys, when the coroner was coming and removing my mom's body, the only thing that was open, and my sister does drink, the only thing that was open and that we could walk away from, pretty much like downtown Baton Rouge, was a bar room, and that's where we went and sat while my mom was being removed. And I'm telling you guys, not, never once did I think about drinking. That's, some good, that's, some, that's, some, that's this program at its finest. That is not me. That is this program at its finest and what it what it was capable of. Um, I, again, um, that is um, a belief in a higher power that was greater than my than, than ever I could have um, imagined. In a, in a year that was more painful for me than I could that I could thought I could bear, and I could not breathe through most of it. The one thing that gave me my sobriety and more peace was to sponsor and to give back because I could help other people. I could help women. I could not help my life. There's not a damn thing I could do about my life. In my world, my life was falling apart. My only hope was to have other people and help them and show them that their life can, you know, and work them through these steps. That is how I remained sober and, and to continue to give back. It was, um, the day after my mom died, um, I actually, uh, my home group called me and I, in the same sentence said, sorry, we heard about your mom. By the way, we elected you as uh, GSR. Is that okay? I said, absolutely. Thank God. Uh, and I say that because not because they're callous, but they know the importance as well in making sure I was surrounded and covered and had a mission and stayed connected to this program. Uh, the people back home, I, you know, single, I don't have, I don't have a family. I don't have kids. I don't have a spouse. I'm, you know, here in Texas alone. And, uh, and all the people back home in Louisiana, um, you know, knew I was sober as well. And God bless them. They didn't know better. But the thing that I was asked the most, um, during that time was Ashley, are you going to be okay? You're all alone. Are you going to be okay? And this took a little while for me to, to know as my truth, but I was able to answer honestly, Guys, I am the farthest thing from being alone. 
because I am in AA and that, that means I am covered and surrounded and connected in a group and a host of people who have me no matter what, that they can understand me and that they connect and I never have to go through anything alone. And that is the promise of this program, that is this promise of y'all and how we never have to go through anything alone if only we reach out and only we realize that. Stay connected, be connected and give back. Uh, sponsorship is the, the single most important thing, um, you know, today, I mean, nine, 10, 10, 10, 11 and 12, but, uh, but, but sponsoring. And that's the, the next thing that I'll just an end on. If you're, if you, if you're sober and you've been through the steps and you're not sponsoring, um, then, you know, then, then I would be, I would be fearful. Um, I, I was told early on, sponsor, uh, you know, as far as the limit on how many people you should be sponsoring, find out, find out how many is too many, find out how many is too many, because the more I am concerned with someone else, the more I am trying and telling this to someone else and to help them explain, you know, how this can help and solve their life. The more I do this, the more I forget that my life can become unmanageable and the, 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 the less that I think about my own life and my own self. This program is about giving back, starting from, you know, the doctor's opinion. Uh, you know, uh, Bill was in treatment, his third time treatment, in the doctor's opinion, first page, and it talks about him asking the doctor to go and be able to sponsor. He wants to share his experiences with everybody else in the treatment center. He's still in treatment himself. So when I, and that's my, my, my biggest thing to, to inspire people is guys at any level of sobriety that, that you are, if you, if you have a day over someone else, then you can help that person. If you have a day sober that you can inspire and be an inspiration to someone else because there's always that person who has less than you and less hope than you. Be that inspiration to that person who is still sick and suffering, whether they've been in the rooms for a long time or whether they haven't. Um, continue to, to spread this, continue to pass this on. It is the life and the breath of, of, of this program and of me personally. Without that, I don't think I would have been able to survive. Um, and, and that is the, one of the most beautiful things about, about this is just being able to give back and being asked for experiences like this. Um, I am honored to be here. I am, I am grateful uh, you know, today and every day since then, um, you know, I just celebrated mom was, uh, this, this past October was a year that she passed. Um, and, and again, in that year I have, I would say I've learned how to breathe. Um, that comes and goes. I absolutely know that the pain is, is real of, of life and that sobriety does not guarantee happiness. Sobriety does not mean that things are going to go my way and it's going to be easy. And if I do all of these things and if I follow God and if I blah, 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 then life is going to be easy and go my way. But I do know no matter what struggle comes, then I can do it sober and I can do it connected and I cannot have to struggle with anything alone and I don't have to go back to my old ways. There's a better plan, there's a solution, and it is outlined in this book, which I uh, you know, thoroughly follow again in every, in every day, in every um, aspect of my life. Um, it's laid out here, and I don't have to go through life trying to figure out my way anymore. Uh, it works, it has worked personally in my life, and, uh, and continue, to, uh, continue to make it work. So on that, that's all I got. Thank you.